Happy Hump Day, Boss Babes, where on Wednesdays we wear whatever to create, conquer, and celebrate. Today I am joined by Michelle and Jacob. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, April. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of always just kind of jump on in. Um, So it's actually really funny. So I met Michelle. um, She's my hairstylist. I originally went and some, I want to say like this poor lady, I don't want to sound rude, but the first lady who ever did my hair had like ramen noodles for hair. I'm not even kidding. And, um, went to the studio and kind of ran through like almost every stylist they had until I met Michelle and, now she's stuck with me forever. She's never allowed to like leave <laughs> because she does such a good job. Um, and then, you know, a couple months, almost like a year or so later, I think, um, we went for drinks at Blue Agave and halfway through Michelle shoving tequila shots down my throat, Jacob shows up and went to trivia and that's all she wrote. So um, why don't you guys, kind of elaborate a little bit more about like what you guys actually do. Sure, that's, you know, instant friends right there, I would say. (laughs) Over some good tequila shots. Um, Michelle Michelle is a uh, hairstylist and I'm her landlord. That's how we know each other. And she cuts my hair too, April. So we've got that in common. So yeah. Yeah. Everybody's locked in no matter what. She's the real (laughs) boss babe though. stuck for life um yeah so michelle you you do hair but you also actually own your own salon yeah so i started doing hair when i was 14 years old because my aunts were hairstylists and i really didn't see myself going to college or wanting to go to college Mm -hmm. and i begged my um, parents for probably two to two years two solid years until i was 16 to go to tech school in high school and the only reason I wanted to go was to get out of math and science because they told me cosmetology would count as my math and science cr- credit. But of course, I didn't tell them. I told them I wanted to be a hairstylist because my aunts were hairstylists. So after two years of begging them, I went to cosmetology trade school. I didn't know it would be the best thing I've ever done. My dad said, you can go if you go to college for business. Otherwise, there's no deal. So I was like, okay, I'll go to community college for business and I will go to tech school for cosmetology. So I did that. I had 104 in cosmetology for two years. I didn't know I was going to be good. I just wanted to not be in high school all day long. And I did that. And as soon as I graduated, I had a job right out and I've been doing it since. I owned a salon in New York for six years. And then I moved to South Florida for two years, worked under somebody in South Florida. And I came to Baltimore. And after a year working here at the studio that you met me at, I just figured it was time for me to do it on my own. And during the pandemic, that's when I opened my studio here. And it's been about a year. Yeah, I give her a lot of props talking as the landlord here. Uh, I mean, Michelle, really, you know, it's a risk anytime you open up a business. Jacob was so nervous. During the middle of a pandemic. I was like, I'm doing this. He's like, um, okay. I had some questions. <laughs> He's like, can you show me your pain? business yeah. model? Mostly paying the rent. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show you it. I'll show you it. <laughs> oh my I mean, god. A year later, it's we were on month to month during the pandemic, yeah. unsure if we were both unsure. I was unsure also, but I carried it with confidence. I was like, no, this is what we're doing. 
<laughs> she's like, you know what? She's like, forget it. Like, forget a business knowledge. I'm just gonna show you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. That's literally what I did, right? Oh, we oh. talked about it a few times over dinner, but I mean, I was stuck at a place. What happens is I get standing working for someone. It's not enough for me as you know um, to build myself inside. And I was like, yeah, well, what's the worst case? I go get hired from another salon if it doesn't work out. That's the worst case scenario. It's amazing though, that you actually did that. And like, now you guys are like booked what months in advance. Yeah. Three to four months in advance for booked. We need like other people to work with us. And we're like, no, it's going to be small. We're going to keep it small. And we're at a point where we're, we're going to have to make a decision. Not very soon, but definitely soon if we want to keep growing or if we want to stay where we're at. Yeah, definitely. Because I know you've been yelling at me to get my uh, bylaws done after over a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. The roots are gray now. <laughs> yeah. Roots are gray. Oh, gosh. Brunette, all the blonde I gave you is a little grown out. I'm told this is highlights for those of listeners who are not privy to rooted highlights so it's a natural highlight that lasts okay like a year rather than three to six months so you pay a little bit more when you get a full balayage but it's a rooted look so that you can gracefully grow in your natural hair and that's what a way to upsell a product right there there. that's how you do it yep it lasts longer that's why it costs more money (laughs) obviously i know i know and i'm literally clinging to the target for bras because they last longer right <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mind you, I'm like over here, like clinging on dear life to purple shampoo just to make sure it <laughs> still is working. Not really. Maybe. Mm. We can switch to a brunette shampoo now. I don't even know. Is brunette like a thing now? Like, I don't even know what the hair trend is. Well, I've been a brunette since birth. <laughs> Me, my hair is brunette so. because I've been working for the past year, so my blonde's just gone. <laughs> Jacob, you weren't experiencing with a uh, frosted tip since the '90s styles are coming back. Yeah, I think Jacob That's just asked true. me for an appointment next Wednesday. I think um he's gonna bring me lunch and we're gonna frost his tips, almost like the Justin Bieber, um not Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake meme with the ramen noodle hair. That's what I'm gonna do for him. Oh yeah. my god, I love it. Right, I think it'll be perfect. I'm gonna have to drive down there just to see this transformation. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'm going to put real, definitely. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> so, Jacob, I know you said you're a landlord, but you also are in finances, right? Yeah, so I work for a real estate development firm, um, and I also own some properties on my own. Uh, my primary residence is a duplex. I live on the top rent out the bottom to Michelle. I'm trying to buy it, but he won't sell it to me. So, Well, <laughs> but look, it's, it's a cool model out there for uh, people that are, you know, single who are looking to invest in their first home. Uh, some people call it house hacking, uh, where you rent where you live. I've never heard that. Oh. And I think it's a thing, you know, I think so many people in our generation, we're all in, you know, thirties or less. I mean, April's definitely a different de- generation yeah. than us but yeah. <laughs> but it's a good way to get started in real estate investing and start learning because it's it's a not there's not a lot of room to fail when you're house hacking um and i've never heard it's called house hacking yeah yeah because yeah, i pay your mortgage because michelle essentially pays the mortgage <laughs> and i live here for free and i deal with the issues so it's a give and take on your time but it's something where i think so many people in our generation are automatically predisposed to go 
I'm going to pay $2,000 a month for my rent and not get anything, not get any equity for that. So I'm a big proponent of starting off in house hacking and then seeing where it goes from there for, for real estate development. That's actually really amazing. Cause I mean, quite frankly, this is the first time I've ever really heard of it and how it works out. And that may be very beneficial to a lot of people, especially in Baltimore with um, how expensive the houses are and the way that the market is, especially with it being so competitive, everybody's going above list, like dramatically above list. Yeah. What, what's um, going on with the housing market right now? It's it keeps going up. It's I'm going sure up. So it's good for you. Up. But for me as a first time buyer, it's not. Correct. So, I mean, in short, it's kind of a shit show. Mm -hmm. Things are like going like overnight is what I hear. Because I was ready because my lease, I just renewed my lease with Jacob. But I think about it, obviously, every single year. I'm like, I should really buy something. I should really buy something. And I have too much going on business-wise to worry about taking care of a house, being a first-time homeowner. I'm not, I'm not ready. We were just talking about it, actually, before we get on this. But I think about it every single time. And then like, I have a conversation with a client, whether they're in real estate or they're a first time home buyer where they have five houses and they're like, not yet. It's, it's really competitive out there. I mean, you make an offer, it's that night or it's not that night. And some people are offering 20 to 40 grand cash mm -hmm. so that they get the house before the other person, because they know there are other people and they want it. Yeah. Especially it's absolutely crazy. Man. It's definitely wild. I know, um, I was working with a client and we were doing showings and offers like simultaneously because we didn't hear back from an offer for a week. And it's like, well, we're not going to go and miss out on a house while we're waiting for this person to let the weekend showings happen. So we're like, all right, well, we're going to go out. We'll make another offer. If we have to rescind an offer, like we'll do that. Like it's so competitive. I mean, even some agents have been putting in like 15, 20, you know, even up to 30 offers in for like one client. And you're like, now I'm just burnt out at this point. It's crazy. Yeah. Gotta love it. So it's safe to say I'll be here for another year. Yeah. Well, she signed the lease, so there's no backing out now. So here I am. <laughs> hey, it's a fun place to be. It, it is, is a fun place to be. And and now that COVID is over, yes. I will say that you're lucky that I didn't raise the rent, Michelle, because, <laughs> because it is crazy out there. I posted mm -hmm. another house that I have and 50 emails in the first day, a hundred in the you know, second day. It was, it's just wild right now. The demand to live in Federal Hill in Baltimore. And I, I love it. I'm, I mean, I, I'm just so happy that people are looking to move back into the city, moving out of their parents' house and, and uh, getting back out there, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you can see it, they're building all around here too in Baltimore. My hydrangeas are doing very good because they put that um, building up across yeah, the street. Yeah, so that's a plus. They're building a hundred units right next to us with retail, which we're really excited about. Yeah, hopefully there's some good retail under there. Maybe there'll be another fifth of Maine in Fed Hill since my first one, oh. since my first one's at the Brewers Hill Alta right next door. So why don't we break this down? So, I mean, in order to grow, in order mm -hmm. to, you know, that's one option or, or you said stay the same with your, with mm -hmm. your- uh, Staying the same is not an option really. But yeah, especially if you got the demand that yeah. you have. I mean, the next step has got to be hiring out your talents. And that's got to be a, a big move for you from going from working for yourself, you know, relying on yourself to trusting somebody else with your business. Yeah. 
what do you think about that? So my, my whole thing is I would love to just have a bigger space and hire people underneath me. The problem is trust who I bring on. If they're worth it, they're sitting there, I'm paying them. Well, in the hair world, you don't pay them, it's commission. So kind of, I guess similar to real estate, like unless you do something, you're not making money. So it will never really hurt me, but I'm paying for more space if I have another chair. So that's one risk. The other risk is trusting the person. So whether it's I build them up and they stay with me or I build them up and they take the clients. That's my biggest thing is that I build them up from nothing, having a 10% full book and I book them out hundred percent. I'm passing on my clients that want my 15 years of experience to somebody who's newer or underneath me. They're trusting me to go to that person. And then, I mean, in a year or two, they can leave and do the same thing, especially if I'm a good teacher of business and how I run my salon, if they're inspired enough, they might just take the risk to go take people and go. And that's ultimately what happened at a salon where I was at. I mean, there was 27 employees. There were six left after me and my business partner left. Part of that, you know, I take pride in because I made a move and people followed me. And that's definitely, you know, um, a positive thing. But at the same time, it's, it can happen to anyone. They were open for 17 years. Hmm. You know, that's, that's a big one. Or also, I think... I think my next step would be having an apprentice. So there's, there's a few different type of cosmetology licenses you can have. And if I have a senior license, which I do have, I've always carried it and I've always stayed up with it. I can have somebody work underneath me for free. I profit off of them while they're learning instead of paying 20 grand to go to beauty school. That would probably be my first option expanding new, but still the same risk of them leaving and taking the clients that I give them and produce for them. So wouldn't there be something that you can put into place though, like a non-compete clause or something like that, like yeah. as far as not taking your clients? Yeah. So there is a non-compete, but the problem is in the hair world with Instagram, with social media, people are going to go where they want to go. And I will never steer somebody from going if they want to go to somebody that I put them on to. I just feel like it's unethical because mm -hmm. people have done that my whole career. And they, I've went to court three times from leaving salons and oh, wow. trying to hold up a non-compete. And usually I'm either out of the five, five mile radius or it's been over a year since I signed the document. There's always like been like some kind of flaw and it's worked in my, uh, on my behalf in the past, but that might not always be the situation. Honestly, I don't want to take somebody to court over them doing their passionate trade mm -hmm. and somebody wanting to follow, follow them. I don't want their, that client then, you know? That's actually like a really good way of looking at it too. I mean, that's kind of what we do in real estate. Like, you know, even though we have like our paperwork, like we're not going to take our clients to court for our commission. Like, no, it's not that on the person. It's not worth it. I don't want to stand up there next to somebody I trained or taught or built up and say, I'm going to keep these clients and you can't have them. That is so unfair because I did that my whole entire career and things are changing. Times are changing. People are renting studios instead of full salons, you know? Yeah. I would never want to crush somebody's personal business because being a hairstylist is a business spot because it's commission, just like real estate. It's actually very similar. So we're selling something behind a chair underneath somebody else's roof. Ultimately, if you're working at a salon and it's not your own salon. So I wouldn't take that from somebody. I feel like um, I want to see them do good. And I take it as a compliment. When I left New York, um, I put two of the girls through beauty school so that they could work for me and ultimately make me money. I made money off of them for four years. Mm -hmm. They all have their own salons now. I'm proud of that. I wasn't proud of it when it happened, but I learned from it and I grew from it. And one of the girls is actually doing my sister's hair and wedding makeup in October. And I'm proud of that. I can sit, stand next to her 
and work next to her knowing I taught her everything. I taught her a lot. Yeah, that's amazing. You now, Boss Babes <laughs> listeners, Fifth and Main is hiring. <laughs> Promo code Boss Babes for a free haircut. A haircut's on it only, no chemical services. <laughs> if you want to be a Boss Babe like Michelle and intern for her for free, you can, you can work for her for the price of free. <laughs> for free and learn everything I know. You can't beat it. Deals on boss base. You can't beat it. It's free. You can't beat it. It's free, free. forever. Yeah. Literally, you, Michelle's talented. <laughs> we can write off your miles. <laughs> right off your oh my god. I'm not kidding. I literally will not trust anybody else with my hair. Like ramen noodles killed it. Now I'm like Michelle's. Like your I sit in your chair and I'm like, do whatever. Hairstylist, right? Huh? Your oh. best friend's a hairstylist, right? Um, Brie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she is in Annapolis. Yeah. Okay. It's a little far. Yeah. Well, she has her, her uh, salon too. Yeah. She has a studio. Um, I think it is. I, or it might be like a full building. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Sorry, Brie. We like you too, Brie, but obviously but like we Brie. want, I do like Brie. Fifth and Main, everyone. <laughs> but guy, ladies and gentlemen, it's Fifth and Main 2021. <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know maybe you guys can collab or something later on in life who knows that's an option so Brie you know hit me up (laughs) we'll have to like what call in a lifeline yeah oh my gosh so like what actually like besides like going into it because of your aunts and not wanting like all of that like did you ever like face like the challenges of like the transitioning from like the different states to like now going from like one salon to like your own salon? So the only time I ever felt that feeling that I wasn't going to make it was the first time when I left New York because I was identified as New York, which was a learning experience. I thought I'm from New York. I do hair. This is who I'm supposed to be. I can't go anywhere else. And my father's the one who actually was like, if you can do it in New York, you can do it anywhere. A few people told me that. And I moved to South Florida on a risk. No, I didn't have one client. My first client was actually my aunt who lived in Florida, but I didn't even know she lived in Florida, but that's besides the point. But um, I did my research. I went to a high-end salon that was, it was actually a chain there. It's a franchise. Um, But I went there and I applied and I got, a high position as a hairstylist. I want to be a hairstylist and a manager. That's how I always go in. I can offer you this besides just doing hair because then that that promises me a salary plus the commission that I'm eventually going to build. So I always go in with my resume. I have a business degree. I want to be your manager and I want to be your top stylist. So they hire me as the top stylist, you know, or a master stylist. We have levels in our field. Um, and yeah, so that was the biggest risk was the first time. But once I overcame that I could do it in another state, I now know I can do it in any state. So when I came to Baltimore, I wasn't as scared. I was I was like, I already did this twice. Once you do it twice, once you do it once, you know what I mean? You can do yeah. it again and again. So overcoming that fear of just doing it the first time, I was really scared, really, really scared. I was like, I'm never gonna make what I make in New York. And I made more money in South Florida because of the area I was in. Then when I came to Baltimore, I was like, oh, no, this is not New York or South Florida. This is going to be really bad. This is going to be really bad. I'm going to be working at like head cutters. 
literally yeah. like a green salon. This is going to be bad. Actually, I was walking past um, one of the head cutters in Fed Hill over here and they had a sign that said haircuts $8.99. I don't know if you saw that on my Snapchat. Seriously? $8.99. That's less than minimum wage. What's minimum wage? Oh gosh, I don't even know what minimum wage is anymore. The last time I checked, it was eight and change. I think it's nine or 10 now. And I just cannot get over that such a franchise can charge for a haircut $8.99. Is it $8 for like, just like, um, you know how they- I think it's a wet haircut. I think a blow dry costs more money. I'm not really sure, but I just couldn't get over it. But my point being is like, with my experience, you know, moving around, I was like, I started, when I started cutting hair, I charged $22 in 2008. I charge $85 now. So it's every year, you know, I raise because yeah. of demand and it filters out my clients. So that's really like what's kept me going. People read my bio and they're like, okay, like she has this experience. I want to go to her. It filters out the clients that aren't made for me. So there's going to be the client that goes for $8.99. There's going to be the client looking for $120 haircut. I'm not that either yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's all about pricing yourself in the market and what you have going on. Yeah, it does make sense. Plus, like, I think it has to do with the experience too. I mean, like, you know, when you go and you are getting your hair done, like you're going to really relax and just like, yeah. I don't know, like most of the time I go, I'm therapy. I'm telling you about all my boy drama, but like, literally like you pay for the experience. Like if I'm going and getting like a $9 haircut, like they're just going to be like, giving me whiplash most likely trying to cut my hair chasing like yeah you know or like yeah. I'm sitting there like I'd rather pay a hundred pay you a hundred dollars to do my hair whatever 120 dollars to do my hair because I know I'm gonna be able to sit there I'm gonna relax I'm gonna like hear you tell me that boys ain't shit sorry Jacob but <laughs> but yeah when you talk about experience so like I didn't so I always did hair I always felt like I was good at hair. I was always told I was good at hair. My clientele showed that I was good at hair. It wasn't until I moved to Baltimore and it could be timing, not geographical location, which I believe is true. Mm -hmm. I came here, I started building clientele here. And for some reason that change in my life when I turned 30 years old is about when I started here and building clientele. People in my chair, the human connection, I never knew. I, I always was like, yeah, I'll probably use my business degree and go into corporate or do something else where I get a steady paycheck and I know what I'm getting. That life's not for me. And I didn't know that until only two or three years ago, which is pretty crazy being in my career for this long. I didn't know I was supposed to do hair. And I don't think it's just, I'm supposed to do hair. I think it's, I'm supposed to give people the experience and the human connection that I can offer. So my clientele is based on, I wanted to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist before I want to be a hairstylist, but I'm like, that's way too much school. I didn't know what I was getting into will give me the best of both of those worlds. And that's exactly what it gives me. That's amazing. I mean, honestly, like even in any like business setting, like being a business owner, anything like that, it's all about relationships. And I don't want to say like, it's who, you know, it's about how you like cater to those people that, you know, regardless of like their like stature or whatever. And I think that's amazing. Absolutely. I agree awesome so Jacob I know we've been touching on um Michelle's business but what got you really into like investing and like the like what made you wake up one morning and be like yes I'm gonna be Michelle's landlord 
I'm going to waste this hundred thousand dollars. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the dream, right? To become Michelle's landlord. <laughs> I woke up one day and I said, how can I get her to pay me rent monthly on a regular basis? No, I, the journey really started when I got my first job in real estate. Um, it was something that always interests me. I saw a fraternity brother who was doing a similar thing to what I was doing, house hacking, like I said before, mm-hmm. where he lived in the house and he rented it out to other fraternity brothers of mine. Um, and I said, you know, if that guy doesn't seem so smart, if he can do it, I could probably mm-hmm. figure this out too. Mm-hmm. And and it's not something that you figure out at, at, over one day. It's something you, you look at properties, you think about it. And then eventually you have to pull the trigger once you think you have enough knowledge about the area. And there were so many things I didn't know and I didn't understand when I bought my first house. But what I thought I could do was you know, buy a house and get the other roommates to pay for the mortgage, which I did. And I, I knew that because I could figure out just by asking people, asking mortgage brokers, how much is my mortgage going to be on this house? And then from renting, I have that experience renting just like most of us do. I knew how, what the prices were in my area. I took those two pieces of knowledge and I said, forget it. I'm not going to pay rent anymore. Michelle, put earmuffs, please. <laughs> I'm not going to pay rent anymore because I want to build something over time that's going to pay me out equity when I'm old and when I don't want to work. And that's what really started it. Since then, I've uh, done two house hacks. I now live in you know my own unit and rent out the bottom unit. So I'm doing a similar thing, but I got a residential loan because it's less than four units or less. You can do that. Um, and since then, I've also uh, done a couple fix and flips, and I'm a lender. I'm a, I'm a private money lender. I've done uh, over $30 million worth of deals all over the country. Um, and it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that you, you work at and you, you strive for it. And for me, it's always been, you know, not in an unhealthy way, but look at that person, see what they have, yes. what are they doing? Do you want to, I want to be, I want to have what they have, not in a way that's coveting, not in a way that's bad, and inspiring, but inspiring, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where, there, where there's people out there and you see what they're doing and it, it, it inspires you to do the same. And it changed my life owning real estate in a responsibility sense. I feel like a different person uh, before I owned real estate. I was one of those roommates. I was, you didn't want to be my roommate. Oh my God, you said that. I remember you said that when I was dealing with my first roommate here. Yeah, it was like eating food out of the fridge. It wasn't mine. Yep. I think there was one time when I- Leaving I, the cabinets open, the toilet seat up. Yeah, I don't want that roommate. I had a roommate that like cooked for his girlfriend and I ate that food for, <laughs> for, like, for their anniversary. I, mean, I was that bad roommate and it's taught me so much more about responsibility. Um, I like that view. And I just didn't care when I was leasing. I never cared. And it's given me a different perspective on business, on investing, and really just on life in general. So it's so interesting to me listening to Jacob speak. And it's not obviously as casual of a setting where we can say anything, but we still are going back and forth. Me and Jacob are the same age and the same Zodiac sign. And I only want to touch on that because he said something like the house hacking thing. I've never heard that word. The only reason I was able to start multiple salons is because I think we have the same brain in a certain sense, business-wise. 
every time I've ever rented a high-end unit anywhere before Baltimore and have had a roommate, I would rent out a room so that my rent was lower and I can grow wherever I am business-wise. It was always business first for me. But how can I, how can I rent this house on the beach in South Florida and start as a you know, low-end hairstylist and build something from it? So I was house hacking as a renter. Mm -hmm. So I would sign the lease for $2,800 and I rent out a room for $800 or whatever the case being, two rooms for $800 so that my rent was equal to theirs. And I was able to have a house with dogs and work my business. It's the same thing. I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm not, there's no equity, obviously, but I was able to do what I had to do business-wise or build how I wanted to build. And that's actually more common. I, the house hacking thing, I haven't even like, seen happen before but as far as like an owner but you see that a lot um in baltimore with um renters where they're like subletting and stuff like that which is actually really helpful when you do have like this three bedroom three bath house and they're renting it for like three grand you know like nobody's going to be able to go in there by themselves i mean i'm sure there are people that can but they won't. If they're smart, they're not going to. Yeah. I mean, I think when I first moved down to the city, I was paying $800 a month plus utilities. And I was able to like live my life down there and, and actually get a, a full experience of living in the city. Like being able to go to like Merritt Pool, Rooftop, and like all of these other things and actually thoroughly enjoy being down there versus mm -hmm. having to be like house poor. And you're like, all right, well, I can enjoy a house at least. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. I never really thought about it that way in like the purchase world. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Jacob, did you get any like hurdles or anything? Like when you first like started into like, whether it's like financing or like um, even investing? Well, there are always hurdles in real estate. Um, and I always equate it to, driving a train while putting down the tracks at the same time mm, just keep on going you just got to keep going through those problems and w every new deal every new thing i do brings new problems so mm -hmm. uh, recently bringing in investors into a deal making sure that they're happy um while maintaining uh the deal you know it's 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 a all a learning process and sometimes you're presenting that you you know uh what's going to happen but as you know april mm -hmm. you know, this is a crazy market especially when you're dealing with single family homes and you're relying on the market to dictate your pricing uh, oh, yeah. i mean we've seen a glut of uh you know, demand, really demand for housing essentially. And that's caused a huge amount of appreciation for houses, even in, in Baltimore too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you don't know that that's going to happen. And when you start a project one year ago, you know, a year ago, you don't know that COVID's going to happen. You don't know that the price of uh, lumber is going to double right, which is happening right now because of, of all the construction going on, uh, all the materials, the cost, cost of labor going up. So there's so many variables, but you just got to keep driving that train and rely on your numbers. Do a lot of, you know, you got to do a lot of diligence before you do your first deal. And, and it's always about, you know, how many offers are you making? April, you as a, as a uh, realtor. 
how, you know, how many people are you reaching out to? And that equates to the, the business that you do. You, you shuffle mm-hmm. through the stuff that doesn't work to get to the real stuff that does. And so it's always a constant grind. And I'm sure Michelle has the same thing in her business too. Yeah, all the time. I mean, I feel like exactly what you, I like to train. Um, tracks? Yeah, I like to train tracks. I didn't come <laughs> we didn't. You stole it? I think I got it from my boss. Or a podcast. Or another podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel exactly the same way. I feel like you just have to keep going no matter what, because it can never be worse than what it is right now. And I'm talking in general life also, business-wise and general life. I mean... I've been through my things. I've um, overcame a lot of things. And that's where I think I get the hope, the faith to move forward and keep going. But no matter what comes my way, I just have to deal with it. Jacob says something to me all the time. And it's something I just asked him about refinancing my car. He's like, it's not, you can do it. It's how will you do it? You know, he says it all the time to me. Like, I'll be like, oh, someone said I can't buy a house because of this. He's like, no, it's not, you can't do it. It's how do I do it? You know, and that's exactly what I feel like we're talking about, you know, just keeping, keeping going and figuring out a way to do it. I oh, think yeah, definitely. it's easier for some people than others. Some people are like, oh no, but when you live in that fear, you're yeah. not going to grow. You can't be comfortable until you're uncomfortable. So I'd rather be uncomfortable and see and be willing to take the chance of getting comfortable than just staying in that uncomfortable space. Because I've been in that uncomfortable space for quite some time years ago and I don't want to be in that space again. So I'm just going to continue to go. Yeah. And it's always looking back to, I have a friend and she's always talking about like, enjoy the process. And I think a matter of like, you know, you look after a while, like you take a, you kind of look in your rear view mirror and you're like, wow, like I was able to like get through so much stuff in my life, whether it is business or personal and, you know, moving forward, it's like, wow, like I've come this far, that means I can go further. Or like, I've already gone through something much worse. Like it's not that bad. Like, yeah, where's the end really? What are, what are we all racing for? We're not, you know? So enjoy the process. Isn't enjoy all of the negatives and the positives. I think it's definitely just keep on going because you know what, you never know. And it's crazy. And I always say this and it's, it sounds like absolutely crazy. Like when I went through my breakup a while ago, I'm like, I always say it like this. I let a glass cork determine the fate of my two-year relationship. I'm not going to sit here and cry over like this boy after three months, or I'm not going to sit here and cry about the job that I was fired from, or like the fact that like, all right, I might be broke this month, whatever have you. Like, it's like looking at even like that small little thing of like, you know what? Yeah, I did that. And yeah, I cried about it, but now we're moving on and we're going to be like, okay, well, like, where's the next glass cork? Yeah. And like, if you're, if you're already at the top, I mean, where else is there to go? So you might as well hit the bottom so that you can go up again, you know, whether it's one Mm -hmm. time, two times, three times, or, you know, you hit the bottom and now you're at the middle. There's still the top. There always will be the top, no matter what the top only if you cap it at the top. Oh, a hundred percent. And honestly, like I appreciate, and I don't know if you guys have ever felt like this, but like, I always appreciate like those moments of like falling back because they really do humble you, you know, Mm -hmm. like just, you know, I might fall on my ass one day and like wake up and be like, you know what? Like I really needed that moment or that like slap in the face kind of to be like, 
you know what, you were probably getting a little bit too greedy or this or that or the third. You need to like, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you don't have those moments, you're never going to be able to, you know, move from them. You're just going to stay in the same place. Yep. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm willing to stay in the same damn place because I got bored very easily. It is boring to stay in the same place. So you know, boring. I can't look at the That's same wall all single day. Get it in my lease soon, you know. No, we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, like obviously, this is the first episode I've had a guy. Um, the best episode ever. Yes, I'm so excited. Well, it's actually the first episode I've had two people, but um, the first episode I've had a guy on here. So, like, Jacob, I've always wanted to know kind of, like, yeah, I have, like, the boss babe, like, thought process. Like, you know, I'm, I always surround myself with, like, like-minded women. But it's, like, how does a guy view, like, the quote-unquote boss babe? Or, like, what does even, like, a boss babe mean to, like, from a guy's perspective? Ooh, I like that question. Jacob? That is a good question. Um, I mean, I can't- Are you intimidated by female entrepreneurs or are you excited for <laughs> That's the real question. I'm so excited. That's why I'm on the podcast. Mm. And um, I've really seen Michelle's business grow. I couldn't be prouder for her. She pays her rent every month, like clockwork. And uh, I mean, oh, she, no. No, she went from- <laughs> I mean, she really went from uh, like thinking, what am I going to do during a pandemic that, you know, if nobody's going out, I'm in a service industry to buy. You said, how are you going to pay your rent? I was like, I yeah. don't know. But then, she, but then she went to that to buying everybody at the bar shots. And she and it just goes to show like when you put yourself out there, what boss babes can do with their own business. Um, and you hear Michelle talking about how she's going to grow her business at, I'm all for anybody taking that chance. Um, this is a country that uh, really, really encourages people to take chances to grow employment in this country. Yeah, do it. Uh, seriously, if you have the skills to employ people, if you have the skills to create your own business. Be a leader of any sort. Everybody should. And all I can speak of, I'm not a woman and I, all I can speak of is from a real estate perspective. I want to see more women who are real estate investors as well and owning businesses. April. In that way. <laughs> no, I think, I just think that there's a lot. So I have a lot of clients that are women and they are always so much better than the men. Always. Because of their attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, keep but, going keep going we need more of it but i think there's also a, a like a nurturing uh aspect that certain men don't have right and and i and i'm afraid that sometimes that stands in the way of taking the leap and, and you know look i can't i don't i'm not speaking from a woman's perspective but i think that sometimes there's so much going on there's so much you know women are so smart that they don't take that leap because they know what can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to, to take it uh, if you have that idea. And if it doesn't work out, this is a great country. For, What's for the enough. worst case scenario? <laughs> Let's think about so, it. Yeah, it's either so, yes or no. No is fine too, because we're at the same spot we were before. April, have you seen that there's a lot <coughs> less women in the real estate industry? Or do you find that there are more women, you have more women clients, more um women who are investing so i mean on the investor side as you know like i'm still kind of like learning 
kind of going like kind of going with the punches on the investing side because I work with a lot of first time home buyers. So mm-hmm. I'm working with more of like that single individual. However, what I have noticed is that they're starting to become like more um more women that are starting to invest after buying their first home. I like that. And it's I mean, I wish that there were more. I think that um I'm trying to figure out how I can like put it. I think that the way that women in business are viewed, like, especially if you like refer back to like certain movies and things like that, like, I think that they kind of, realistically, I feel like sometimes it's very sexualized for a woman to be a boss. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that that ends up being. I mean, even for me, like, that's an intimidating thing to be like, okay, great, I'm going to be wearing, and I, I said this in my intro a while back of like, yeah, I'm wearing like my pointed toe stilettos and like a business dress. And you know what, somebody's asking me to be bent over the countertop while I'm showing them a house. And it's like, that's like, obviously it's okay. inappropriate, but it's like, it becomes more of a fantasy for a man whether it's a client or like maybe even a partner i don't know but it it's weird whoa whoa whoa! did that actually happen somebody asked you to bend over the counter have actually granted that's like not like a client asking me it's more or less like when you're on like these dating sites and it's like the first thing that they hear is like you know you're a realtor like great like let's play out this whole fantasy. And it's like, no, like you don't understand. This is my career. This is my livelihood. Like, I don't want to joke about that. So I like that you brought that up because just talking in general about different sexes, it doesn't even have to be business-wise, but dating world, like mm-hmm. automatically when someone finds out that I own a business instead of I'm just a crazy hairstylist, they're like, oh wait, but what's wrong? Or, oh, but wait, they're not in the upper position anymore because now we're equals. So it turns into a whole different playing field. Yeah, she's a crazy hairstylist and, and, and I own my own business. So what? Yeah. But like dating's hard because of that. Yeah. Dating has been hard once they find out that I own my salon and I don't just work for somebody behind the chair. It's a whole different thing. I'm like, but why? It doesn't have to be. How about be happy or excited that I can bring the same thing, if not more, to the table than you can. No, they're intimidated automatically because they think we're supposed to live in this certain spot so that they can feel the way they want to feel. That's not how it works. That's not how it works for me. I agree with that 100% with just in general of just, okay, or it's about like time. Like you're busy all the time. Like you have your you know, if you have your off days or like your evenings, things like that. But I feel like even with me, like I'm, I work nights and weekends. So usually when I have off is during the day or like my Saturdays and Sundays or Mondays and Tuesdays, but that's not always the case. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand, or for me, like um, guys don't understand, like when I'm busy and I'm working, like there's been days where I'm working 12 hours a day showing like 19 houses, 20 houses in one day. And like, it's exhausting. So for me to want to come home after a long day of work, I don't want to have to spend an hour, you know, exfoliating. Somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And just like having to like put on a facade. And I was explaining this to one of my best friends the other day. And I was like, I'm so sick and tired of the small talk. 
And it's because it just drains you of just sitting there like pretending. And it's like, all right, I'm already tired. And I got to pretend now that I like this person. I'm like here just for like the meal. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, it's exhausting. And you have to have somebody that can actually like keep up with that. Like, all right, cool. Well, like I can't see you for two weeks. I got it. Like maybe let's do a FaceTime or like, you know, hey, here's a text message says, I hope you have a good day, not blowing my phone up while I'm showing all these properties because it's exhausting. It stresses me out. I completely agree. I mean, you deal with the same thing as me all day long, human connection, interaction. Um, My brain's tired when I get home from work. I'm not trying to entertain someone on a date. I'm trying to be dated or treated, but it doesn't come off like that because I'm held to this expectation Mm -hmm. when yeah, I work nights and weekends. I mean, I've been on multiple dates where they didn't, I didn't have a third date or a fourth date, but I had a second date because I couldn't make it work around their schedule because they work a nine to five Monday to Friday in front of a computer. I don't have that. Yep. I it's hard. Have, it is hard. It's crazy. Well, I really do appreciate you guys like jumping in on doing this with me. I'm really excited. We definitely have to do a, another tequila night, you know, always for that. <laughs> of course. Trivia night. <laughs> trivia night. Uh, last time I got kicked out of trivia, I cheated on the last question. I got caught. Well, we were the winners, too. Well, thank you, April. We'll be on the show whenever you want. We appreciate it. Definitely. It's great. And if I'd be remiss if I didn't mention PSG lending. And if you need a bridge loan <laughs> for construction... Or for just a bridge, you know, six to 12 months, we go up to $12 million. Please call me. I'm I need $12 million. I don't have any real estate. So it's a real estate construction or bridge loan. Well, what we'll do is we'll end up putting in um, your links, Michelle, if you have a link for like um, scheduling for the, I think you said you aren't scheduling until like August. Mm-hmm. So once if somebody needs their hair done in August, um, we'll put your the link to your site um, so they can book online, and then Jacob will do yours as well. Um, I'll do a Boss Babes promo. I'll, I'll I'll send a little link when I um, repost the podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome! Well, Me exciting. Too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, Jacob. Jacob will give you ten I'll free dollars for every finance. <laughs> I didn't say that. Nobody yeah. said. I'm always, I'm always pushing Jacob like when we go out I'm like yeah I mean we have an extra unit he's like where I'm like oh we'll find one we'll find one Jacob we'll find one. Whoa, that's the day two problem yeah that's tomorrow we worry about that tomorrow we just gotta get them in right now got them on the hook oh my gosh all right guys well thank you so much as always boss babes get out there and do the damn thing bye thank guys you so much.